At what point will my level of high standard and control become so crippling that like, I just can't keep up with it anymore. But something I was considering is I just listed one of my duplexes because one side became vacant. This, this is an off the wall idea, but sometimes this is just how it goes with me. So I just listed one of my duplexes. One side became vacant. I've added value to that property. It's pretty stabilized. And, uh, I was just thinking, why not just liquidate my whole residential portfolio over the next year and actually take this as the step to to dive into commercial, which is really the space I want to be in long term. Just a thought, but that won't happen quickly. It does sound exciting and scary at the same time, though. Being uncomfortable is good. Yeah, that's tough. That uh, thought, though, was we're seeing extreme competition in the Tampa market again. We're at above list offers, um, multiple offers, scenarios, appraisal gaps again, the way things are here right now. And... Um, I am of the belief, this is an interesting principle. I'm curious if you guys would agree. I'm of the belief that everything is for sale at all times. It's just a matter of, of the price. And so I put this up for, I'm a realtor. So I put this up listing. It's free for me to do that because I'm already you know on MLS and all that stuff. And I'll either get my price or I won't. And if I don't get my price, I'll just rent it. Same position I was in before. I would sell everything if, it, if I got the price for it. Hey, I think uh, something I wanted to share real quick for our listeners is that uh, you know a lot of the conversations we have here are bleed overs or continuations of conversations that we have every Saturday morning on our our Saturday Zoom call, which I know we've talked about before. It's been going on now almost three and a half years. So this isn't staged or or, or fake. If anything, it's it's uh, uh, the highlights of our Saturday morning calls. Yeah, I think I think I saw we have eleven subscribers. Eleven subscribers now or twelve? I don't know. And how? How many of that is family members of, of the five of us or seven of us? Whatever. Well, I have like six different Gmail accounts. So six of them are me. Got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. <laughs> I think I need to go uh, support the podcast and uh, subscribe. Yeah, there you go. There you go, Travis. Good job. Like, like and subscribe, everybody. <laughs> five star like, review. Don't forget to smash that button, folks. Hey, before we talk about something serious, you know, I, I had a couple days this week where I was feeling old. You know, my back hurts, my leg hurts. And then uh, my wife reminded me that we're going to somebody's wedding tonight. There's nothing like like a wedding invitation to make you feel young. I haven't been to a wedding in five years. It just took a decade off my life. So when's, when's the last time you guys went to a wedding? <laughs> See? But if you got invited, you'd feel young again. I, I had the exact opposite reaction. My wife told me we were going to a wedding. Heart would stop. And, oh, man, I got to go talk to people I don't want to and have to wear like pants and I mean, hey, I'll try to thing. get I'll try to get a couple more uh, so. subscribers tonight at the wedding though yeah, for the podcast. That's a good idea. There you go. Yeah, pass it out, Marty. Unfortunately, they don't have Crocs that have like a high gloss sheen for your pants. Mm, yeah, sorry. Can I wear a tuxedo T-shirt? That's what I. That's what that would be a question for my wife. <laughs> Do I have to wear a collared shirt? I'm surprised you don't have a mullet yet with those kind of comments. <laughs> Soon, my friend. Well, you know, the hair just don't quite grow as it did back in the day, Travis. Not all of us can have Captain America hair. Mm. Hey, so we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about watching the second hand. We're going to talk about control. I like the idea of talking. Uh, I think you could probably link the two. You know, during our Zoom call, we kind of mentioned that. But I think starting with the second hand is a good. That's kind of the principle behind it. And Tom, you had some good thoughts on that. I th- I thought. Well, let's first establish what that is for those who, like myself, who had no clue originally. A couple of years ago, somebody dropped the phrase on me, and I it kind of stuck, and it, it popped into my mind again the other day. I was uh, I'm trying to acquire a business, and there have been some ups, ups and downs, bit of a roller coaster ride. 
in terms of, am I going to buy it? Am I not going to buy it? Is the seller going to let it go? What are the terms? What's the price? And we're all over the map. And I forced myself to step back and say, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this through a, a soda straw, through a microscope, and I'm watching every single movement. It's like watching the second hand on the clock. It's moving fast. There's a lot of change. The minute hand or the hour hand, they're not, you know, they're not moving quite so, so fast. And so if you zoom out, instead of looking at something through a micro lens, look at it through a macro lens, right? From a real estate perspective, maybe we talk interest rates. If you watch the interest rates on an hourly or daily basis, they're all over the place. Maybe maybe interest rates in the last 24 hours went up an eighth of a point and people are starting to panic. Maybe we zoom out and see that interest rates are actually down half a point over the last month. And maybe it's a good time to take some debt. So I, I, think, it, I think there's a lot of corollaries and a lot of applications of that principle uh, and like Brandon said, ties in very much to being able to seed some control, zoom out, see the big picture, and uh, a lot of applications across real estate and business and entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think that that when um, pre-2008, pre-Great Recession, when I was in having properties and investing as a young 20-something, I was so focused on renting a house that I had no concept of the Fed or interest rates or the yield curve or any of that other things. So that was definitely a thing that I learned is that I was so focused on looking at the ants crawl around the bark of my tree that I didn't see any forest fires and uh, you know, pull myself out of that aperture into a much bigger, broader sense to look at the forest instead of my individual trees. And that it definitely cost me. Yeah, at some point, it just gets hard to grow if you're kind of inside your own head and you're and you're into the weeds and into the details. I mean, you need to be into the details for a lot of things in life. But when it comes to growth and scaling and expanding, I think it's good to step back, extract the principles out of something, step back and try to look at the, the overall big picture. Yeah, a lot of this is resonating with me. It defines too, I think, where your role is, right? Because sometimes you gotta have a person that's super detailed, right? From a real estate standpoint, the underwriter, whether it's a single family or multifamily, they need to be super, super detailed all up in the, the formulas. But then you've gotta have people that are you know broad spectrum. And from a military standpoint, if you're a platoon commander, a company commander, if you're inwardly focused, you don't get to, uh, you know, you don't provide the, the top cover that we talked about, right? Like you can't look upward, onward and forward. And if you're, if you're not looking upward, onward and forward, man, it's hard to grow. It's hard to scale. It's hard to anticipate, you know, it's hard to be proactive and you're constantly having to be reactive and the frustration that comes with that. I struggle with this immensely on a consistent basis. And I think it's because I exert a pretty high degree of control, uh, for better or worse, mostly worse lately, uh, in my businesses. And I'm also impatient. And I think it's a constant challenge that I try to face. And sometimes it just doesn't feel good and that's okay. But the thing that has helped me the most, the one thing that has helped me the most is having a group like this who I can talk to about it. I would like to add that that was not planted. Um, <laughs> James, what you said, and we were talking about this earlier, sometimes it's, you've got to reflect. And sometimes reflection is you have a group and that you meet with, and you can throw these ideas out there that have been running around your head and just, you, you, we're, sub, we're subject to all these thoughts and beliefs, and sometimes we don't know it. And so just having a, an avenue like this where we can put it out there for the other people in the group to, to kind of see it and just give their perspective on it. And, you know, we're not looking for, Hey, solve my problem. Tell me what to do. Because at, at the end of the day, we need to figure that out for ourselves, but getting it out on the table 
uh, is so beneficial. I think it, you know, I would recommend this type of atmosphere, this type of avenue for really anyone for whatever industry for that personal development and that growth. Yeah. I mean, I look back to our early days when we were, you know, doing the structure of our uh, Zoom meetings and, you know, we each took a turn in the hot seat, you know, every four or five weeks or whatever it was. And having all of us just be completely vulnerable with one another, I know for me is probably the biggest uh, reason for my success is just laying it all out there to people that I trust. Yeah, I think we talked about that too once. I think we even shared about toxic masculinity or some topic of the times, right? And and the power that comes with dudes sharing their struggles and weaknesses in an attempt to be stronger in those weaknesses allows that person to grow in the positive ways, but it also allows us to reflect and be like, oh, that area is totally super easy for me. And th- that I then, if it's a weak area for me, I can then draw on that and be like, wow, man, Brandon's really got that nailed down or Marty's freaking super successful or that's super easy. What does he do and how he can share that with me to be able to help increase those areas? I think despite the fact that we all have our strengths and weaknesses, uh, Travis, just like you said, it's also... For me, it's it's so easy to be like, nobody understands and I'm going through this and, and there's very few people who know how it feels. And at the end of the day, all of us have experienced similar things, uh, you know, in one way or another. And that's that adds an awesome degree of perspective, especially when somebody like a, a peer or colleague has worked through a problem that you're working through now because uh, it's it's very – it's very fulfilling to get advice that can directly enable your results and your ability to adapt to this, this challenge that you might be facing. Perspective is the word that comes to mind. While we've all faced similar situations, not the same, right? Like I, I would never claim that I've been in every, the same situations as all of you, but what it is, is even if they're similar, we have different perspectives and being able to hear someone's different perspective. And in a way, like Marty said, right, vulnerability in a way where we may differ in opinion, we have different perspectives on things, but we have set the conditions on this team where we can all voice those and it's a safe spot. It's a safe place to do so. And that the power in that is now we hear different perspectives, different ways of looking at things that we might not agree with, but that helps build our capacity. And our, our, and helps our growth. Yeah, for sure. I mean, James and I, um, you know, when it comes to the leaders that we are and the, uh, type of, uh, just personality, I mean, James lives in the details. I, I do, or I do not live in a detail, let alone all the details. So, you know, hearing him talk about details, I'm like, well, why, why does that, you know, why does that bother? You know, why are you doing that? Like, get out of it, get out of it, get out of it. And for me, that's easy to do because, uh, I don't live there, but it's difficult for me to be the exact opposite, which is what he's trying to do and get into the details. And so, you know, I just realized that I have a shortcoming there. And so then, you know, I hired somebody for my company that is in the details. And so now together we can work and move forward. I mean, I think we, as we talk about control or transitioning from, from the app, the app, maybe the application of, of this conversation is, is to control and how to let go of it a little bit. You know, we've, talked about in other conversations the need to establish intent and to give our employees our intent and let them then carry out their jobs within the scope, within the bounds of the intent they've been given. And, and that's a hard thing to do. 
it's hard to to give up that control. It's hard to stop watching the second hand and to, to look a little more macro, a little more big picture. And being able to do it will enable growth in, in whatever your company is, whatever your sector, whatever your business. And, and that's hard to do. Anybody have any thoughts on how to do that? Something that I share with with my Marines quite a bit, my Marines, the Marines I work with. Um, it's it's called, I call it the feedback loop, right? And I say, go do return report. And I write it in a 12, 3, 6, 9 fashion instead of linear. And I put little arrows between. I said, hey, which ones are, which one of those four is the most important? And 90% of the time, they're like report. And the reporting saying, hey, this is a task that I've been given. We go, we do a return on that task. We report back to the task. And that provides a feedback loop. So like the person for James who has the control be like, all right, it's done. Cool. And then he can inspect what he expects. And for somebody for Marty who doesn't care about the details, be like, Roger that, go do this. And so that allows the subordinate individual to say, hey, this is done because no leader wants to go find people to say, hey, if this thing's got done. But it empowers the, the subordinate to like, hey, I can do things and I'm getting it done at the timeline you need. And it allows the person that has the control to be like, okay, now I'm going to go make sure that it's all done correctly. They're both learning together at the same speed that they need to to get the task, the task accomplished to keep moving forward. Man, that reminds me of, I mean, it's, it's a learning cycle, right? You said it. They're learning at the same kind of the same speed, right? They're on different levels, most likely, but it's baked into the daily, how we do business. This is how we do it. Here's the task. Here's the intent. Go do it, but report back because we have to have that feedback loop. And then we're both going to learn from that. It's another form of reflection um, to me. And we're both going to learn from that. Now we're going to assimilate that information and figure out, did that work? Did it not? And now we're going to experiment again. And then we're going to report back we've got that feedback loop and to where you're making the learning in the organization a cycle that is never ending and it's iterative and there's a lot of power in that to help to help us develop as individuals and to help the organization move forward that's that's one of the biggest struggles that i have with my civilian employer i work for the us government and and you do feedback twice a year, your, uh, per, your eval, and then they do like a six-month checkup for your next eval. And that's it, and that's it, and that's it. And my boss gets frustrated with me because I think those two things are uh, a formality. And it's like, you, we should be in co constant communication with each other, providing each other feedback. If I'm not meeting the task, you should tell me then. Not wait these six months and then, and then you know, I've wasted six months doing things the wrong way. And if I think you're... Uh, um, you know, not cutting it as a boss in whatever area, I should be able to tell you. We we shouldn't have to wait for these uh, two times a year where we officially sit down and we officially do this. And I sign this little form that says that that's what you told me. Well, I mean, it should be constant. And so he gets frustrated with me because I think they're not a big deal. And, you know, so I just like, hey, I'll tell you when it happens, not six months down the road. Is anybody planning to hire anytime soon? I'm actively hiring now a marketing associate. What are you doing to, to define the scope of work or define that position? Yeah, that's a great question. I came up initially with a list of all the things that are marketing related that either we're doing now and would benefit from having a, a dedicated person for that, or we're not doing now because we don't have the bandwidth or expertise. So we came up with a list of those things, uh, assigned a rough, like estimated dollar figure to them for what it might be worth and then um describe some of the traits that we would look for in a person that works with our team 
and basically came up with a job description from that. Actually, my operations manager had a lot of good input on that. So she added to some things um, that she thought would be, you know, good additions to the, uh, to the job description. And then she actually is leading that from her LinkedIn. And so she'll initially vet a candidate, make sure they, you know, they're okay with it being part-time to start how we have it structured is part-time to start and it's available for full-time within six months, depending on their level of, of growth if, and if they want it to be full-time. And then, um, if they're local, cause we're not willing to hire someone not local cause we got to have them available here to shoot content. And so, um, once she does that initial vetting, then we do a 30 minute zoom interview with them to start. I think that's great, James, you know, that you got it all listed out and stuff. I mean, I need to hire somebody, but I have not went to that step yet. And I can't find anybody because I haven't listed out specifically what their um, task will be. Um, you know, in my mind, I'm still working it all out right now. It's just I want somebody to take care of all the things that I hate to do. And, you know, you can't really market that very well and, uh, you know, uh, set clear expectations for everybody. So. That's sort of the things that I'm struggling with now is trying to get all that on paper so I can I can find the right person. Marty, what did, what role did you say it was? It is uh, undefined right now. It's the only definition that I can find uh, think of is um, you know someone to do the things that I don't want to do and that I suck at, and um, that list is long and lengthy and it has real no um, rhyme or reason to it. You know what I mean? Like it's part time handyman, it's part time social media. And usually the people that are good at one of those is not really good at the other. And um, so just trying to figure out what the what the next hire is for me. So just a thought here. This this is something that I had to work through earlier is because I, I was having trouble defining what role, what tasks a person would perform. So I basically, you know, did some industry research and it's like either ops or admin and then um, assistant associate uh, manager kind of levels. So depending on and that's going to be commensurate with pay too. So, you know, an, an admin associate is going to earn less than an operations manager kind of thing. Um, that might be a, a good place you could look at starting. I love that Marty, what Marty and James, what you just kind of described is back to write the kind of the theme here, the principles, stop watching the second hand, kind of step back and look at the big picture in order to understand who you need on your team to help you. You have to kind of figure out where should I be operating? Where should I be playing to my strengths and focusing on the business? And in order to do that, I got to step back. I got to look at everything and I got to say, I need help in this gap over here. I can do this. I love it. I'm strong at it, but I need help over here. And that takes, you know, stop watching the second hand. It takes stepping back and getting kind of that bird's eye view, so to speak, uh, on the whole, right? Instead of just the individual parts all the time. I mean, that's that's very well said. What I'm what I've started to do is um, I started to have my team. I said, keep a list of things that you task me to do and that you wait for me to do. Let's just start seeing what seeing if we can find some correlations of, you know, hey, we're always waiting on you to do this and it's taking you weeks to do this and it shouldn't take you weeks to do that. And so then I either need to A, make that a priority to do it or B, hire the person that I hire is going to have to start taking care of that because I don't want to be the cog in the wheel. and so. That's what we're trying to establish right now. That's a feedback loop to tie it back kind of to what Travis was saying too. That's a feedback loop that 
um, you're using with your team. Now that's giving you real-time information that you're going to then be able to use, right, to pivot and and to figure out the best step forward for you and the team. So I love how it all ties together. One of the things, this is, you know, not really related to this discussion, but something we definitely have to come back on an, on an on episode in the near future is networking and the power of networking. Um, I continue to see so many examples in in my own investments and businesses that, that I can point to success based on networking. So I, and I imagine you all would have similar things to say. So we got to come back to that. I think it all ties together. Um, you know, and just to, just to, does anyone else have any thoughts as we start to kind of wrap this up? Um, before I, you know, just give a summary for the listeners, any additional thoughts? I have one last thing. I have gotten a little more into stoicism in the past six months and I I couldn't quote which Stoic philosopher said this, full disclosure. But when I think back to the hardest times I've had mentally in real estate, it came from a level of impatience. And what I mean by that is I was thinking through a potential problem or problem that was slowly unfolding in such amount of detail that it was causing me a lot of stress before things would even happen because I'm trying to mitigate a future risk that on an event that hasn't really occurred yet. And how that ties in with stoicism is, uh, I don't know if it was Seneca or Marcus Aurelius uh, said something to the effect of, don't put yourself through it before it happens. There are going to be hard days in your life. There are going to be hard things that come up. You put yourself through it now mentally if that thing ends up becoming true, you're going to put yourself through it twice. So just so just let it happen the way it's going to happen and you'll be ready. You'll be all right. Uh, but that ties in with impatience and wanting the solution now. I mean, I was just talking about the, the tree situation on one of my builds. It's not – if it's a problem and it's a money problem and I have the money to spend and it's not going to significantly impact the project, that's not a big problem. The problem is just the mental aspect of uncertainty. So – I think that's the only thing I, I would share. A little bit of stoicism would go a long way. James, that's interesting because I'm of the opinion that if I want to bench press a weight, I want to visually see myself doing that. I want to put myself, not put myself under that stress, but like put myself like that positive mental attitude. And I guess maybe that's the separation, right? Like I want to visually see myself. I want to subconsciously see myself. Um, if I'm getting ready to go on a a hike of some duration with, with the Marines. Like I want to like convince myself that I've already done it subconsciously, you know, because there's what our mind doesn't know the difference between subconscious and conscious. That's why people that say, Oh, this bar is only 150 pounds, but it's 170 and you think it's 150. So you go do it. You're like, no, but that's 170 pounds. You're like, Oh my gosh. So I'm curious to know, or what your thoughts would be or for the group. Like, is there a difference between not living through it twice or, preempting yourself to psych yourself up? Oh, I would tell you, Travis, that, um, man, this could be a topic for multiple other podcasts. In fact, there are stoic podcasts, but I would say that both of those, that from what I've read of the stoics, I'm, I'm not certainly not an expert and I'm not a, you know, philosopher, but, um, I would say the stoics would tell you, absolutely. You should kind of visualize and put yourself kind of visualize all the outcomes that you can think of, because by doing that, you're kind of going through this 
internal planning and reflection process that now as you start to move towards that goal, as things change, because they will, you are better able to kind of, you're more prepared, right? You're more resilient at that point to flex. So that is absolutely a stoic thought that I've taken out of the readings that I've, I've read about. Uh, but at the same time, I think the difference is they would also tell you, okay, now that you visualize that, you have an idea of, of this and all these different outcomes, but you also recognize that you can't control any of that. All now that you can control is your next action. You control kind of, all right, what's the next step I'm going to take? What am I going to do to now move in the direction of that vision? That's what I control. I know things are going to change. I can't control any of that. So I'm not going to worry about it. I think it's the emotional response, the emotional worry that a stoic might tell you, no, now that I know, now I'm just going to focus on what's in my control. And I'm just going to worry about that. Yeah. And that where I think that leads into how, you know, you're being present because I think a lot of, you know, I do a lot of self-talk as far as like, all right, Hey, I've got, this is a situation I'm in. What are the angles? How can I, you know, um, break it down? How do I can step back and detach myself from a situation? Right. A little Jocko there, but, uh, yeah, being in the present to saying, Hey, okay, this is where I'm at. Oh yeah. This, this is familiar. This is totally unfamiliar. And then being mindful enough for present to take it all in and, and to take action at, at the next step. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of bleed over or some transitional things yeah. that are happening for sure. Any other thoughts on that? Awesome. Well, another great episode, um, just kind of to tie it all together, right? It's you don't watch the second hand all the time. There's a time and a place and we need to look at the details, especially in our investments and our businesses. But if you stay down in those weeds and you stay in the details too long, you're going to kind of miss the big picture of what's really going on. And you're going to miss the overall direction that you want to be taking uh, your organization, your business, your investment portfolio, whatever, you are going to miss that because you're down into the weeds and you're watching that secondhand. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Hit the subscribe button, please. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.